My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Thursday the 9th of March. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. Melbourne's first medically supervised injection room is set to become permanent after a five-year-long trial. This facility has changed lives and saved lives. I will never forget the day we announced this trial. There was a woman overdosed not 50 metres from the press conference uh, and Both Ambulance Victoria and Victoria Police had to go and run to that person's aid. While advocates have been calling for more supervised injection rooms, their rollout around the country has been very slow. So where are we at and who's pushing back on more facilities rolling out around the country? We'll let you know in the deep dive, but first, Zara, what is making headlines this morning? Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has landed in India. He'll be there to advocate for stronger bilateral relations, becoming the first PM in six years to visit the nation. Before leaving, Albanese said that trade between Australia and India will be a key topic of discussion on the trip, adding that it could be much larger in the future. The cheapest domestic economy airfare prices have fallen from their 15-year high in December, but overall fares are still above pre-pandemic prices. That's all according to new data from the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, or the ACCC. The airline competition report found that 5.9 million seats were available for domestic travel in January. Now, that's the highest in over six months, but only 4.4 million passengers flew in that period. Northern Territory Chief Minister Natasha Files has announced a new disaster payment for communities affected by the recent flooding in the Territory. It comes after heavy rain in the past couple of weeks caused Territorians in several remote areas to be evacuated to Darwin. Damage to local infrastructure also caused significant supply chain issues. And today's good news, statues of the first two women to enter federal parliament have been unveiled in Canberra this week. Dame Dorothy Tagney and Dame Enid Lyons both entered Parliament in 1943 and served in the Senate and the House of Reps, respectively. The statues have immortalised a historic photo of Tagney and Lyons walking to the front door of Old Parliament House together in the first year they were in office. Melbourne's first medically supervised injecting room in North Richmond will become permanent, and that's after the Victorian government announced the extension of this program this week. I think that a good starting point for this conversation is just to explain what a medically supervised injecting room actually is, because I feel like for a lot of our listeners, it might be a fairly foreign concept. Definitely. And because there's so few around the country, it hasn't really been a major part of how we discuss health policy and, and social policy. So it's worth going over. So medically supervised injecting rooms, or the short name of MSIRs, are facilities where drug users can go to inject themselves in the presence of health professionals without any risk of arrest or law enforcement. And the idea here is that it gives users of drugs like heroin, for example, a safe place to be. And there are people on standby if something goes wrong or in the case of an overdose. 
So Victoria set up a trial, MSIR, in 2018 in Richmond in response to a high number of fatal heroin overdoses at the time. Premier Daniel Andrews mentions this history in his announcement this week. Stories of people dying in laneways and gutters, stories of literally dead bodies throughout that local community meant that we needed to do something different, something challenging. Um, There's no perfect answer to this. There's always going to be a challenge when you've got a significant injecting drug using community, uh, but this facility has changed lives and saved lives. So what kind of results have we seen from the medically supervised injecting room in Richmond? Well, I guess that's a big question is, do they actually work? And an independent review has found it has been largely successful from a health perspective. None of the 6,000 overdoses that happened at the facility during the trial were fatal, and that saved an estimated 63 lives. Interestingly, ambulance call-outs in the area also went down. So I guess looking from another perspective, were there any issues found by the review? Well, the review discussed this one concern identified by the local community of local safety, with many residents complaining about gatherings that were happening outside of the facility. Now, one of the reasons this was happening is that there are some people who use drugs who aren't able to access the facility. We're talking here about people who are pregnant and people on court orders, And some of these people would gather outside the facility because they still were looking for that reassurance of medical assistance that was nearby. To address this, the review recommended extending access to allow more people to use the facility. The government rejected this recommendation, but it did say it will work with the local community on how to, as it describes, further boost safety. That community perception point is really important. I worked on a mayoral campaign in Melbourne a couple of years ago, and this was really the biggest issue um, and how the community has responded to this medically supervised injecting room does form a lot of how the government will think about it moving forward. But again, that's not the people who are actually using it. So were there any recommendations actually around the experience of those using the medically supervised injecting room, the people actually accessing it? Well, what I found about the people actually accessing it is that the facility doesn't do quite enough to provide this sense of broader health and social support to those who enter the facility. So let me kind of put that in perspective for you. According to the review, 35% of people using the facility are homeless and 39% of people meet the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, thinking about that in the general population, about 1% of people meet the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's disproportionately high inside the facility. And the review found that the facility's capacity to provide more general support, and we're talking about things like access to mental health care and housing, was limited and should be improved. Now, the government accepted this recommendation and says it will expand the capacity and expertise of the facility's staff to provide this support. We'll be back right after this. In order to actually make this room permanent, the government does need to introduce legislation and that legislation needs to pass through Parliament. Is it expected to pass? I imagine it's fairly controversial. It is, but it's also expected to pass Parliament. The government requires the support of either the Coalition or five others to pass through the state's upper house. The Coalition says it supports an injection room but not in Richmond, citing concerns about the current location near a primary school. But the Greens support making the facility permanent, so it should get through the House. 
So we know that there's going to be at least one permanent medically supervised injecting room in Melbourne. Can you run me through how common this type of facility is, I guess, in broader Australia? Are there other rooms? Well, this one that we're talking about today in Richmond is the second medically supervised injection room. It follows one set up in King's Cross in Sydney in 2001. And there's some research that was put out last year by UNSW and Western Sydney Uni that found that the Sydney injecting room has saved the lives of nearly 11,000 people who have overdosed on the premises. But apart from that, those two are the only active safe injecting room sites in Australia. I mean, hearing those numbers certainly spells out a compelling argument for more of these sorts of rooms. Is there a push to have more either outside of Sydney and Melbourne or within those cities where one already exists? Well, there's actually already plans for a second room in Melbourne's CBD, but there's some delays there in where they're going to put that one. There's also been persistent calls for another safe injecting room in Sydney for many years now, and particularly to serve those in Western Sydney. There was some really interesting research that came out of UNSW that looked at where the most overdose deaths in Sydney are, and the local government area where the safe injecting room currently is, is also that where there's the most overdose deaths. But the second area is in southwestern Sydney LGAs, and that's based on data from 2006 to 2015. But there's no indication that a call for another site in Western Sydney has been taken up by politicians. Then if we look at the nation's capital, at the end of last year, the ACT government issued this new drug strategy action plan, and that also involves pill testing at festivals, and that commits them to introducing a supervised injecting service. They had an interesting community consultation process for this, and 65% of Canberrans surveyed said they supported the idea. Now, again, we don't have a sense of when an injection site might be implemented, but we will keep you in the loop if we hear of anything. This whole conversation goes to the bigger idea about harm minimization and harm minimization when it comes to drug taking. And that's the logic that people are going to take these drugs, but that the government should be minimizing the harm that is caused by that drug taking. It's the same logic that underpins another approach to drugs, which is pill testing, And you mentioned it there in the ACT. What's the latest on that? Definitely a topic that sparks the interest of our audience, Zara. So when that first opened in July last year, it was for an initial six-month pilot. But in January of this year, at the end of that pilot, we heard that the program was going to be extended until August of this year. Now, according to the ACT government, the program tested 371 samples of drugs in its first six months. And around 15% of those samples were discarded by clients after the testing. Then a couple of weeks ago, we got some news from Queensland where pill testing was legalized. And the government up there is working on a plan for how that program is going to actually function. And we'll bring you those details when they come to light. I think it's a really interesting conversation to have. It's certainly one we've had around the office, around the merits, uh, and indeed the cons of a harm minimization approach. But it certainly feels like governments at different paces, but certainly governments are starting to take steps in that direction. And I think it'll be fascinating to see whether there's any unity, any consistency across the board here in Australia, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Thank you for joining us on The Daily Oz this morning. If you learned something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every morning. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, have a great day.